all we're trying to do is applying the principles from permaculture, from eco-village design, from just basically design approach, co-creative methodology to global governance and see where that leads us. Greetings and welcome on back to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. I'm your host, Dan Palmer, and this is episode 22. Today I share a lovely conversation, the second episode I've recorded with my friend and colleague Yasha Rohr, who's based in Oldenburg, Germany. I was blown away when I found some years back Yasha and his partner Sonja Horster's work. They uh, had been influenced by both permaculture and Christopher Alexander, like myself. And with Sonja, Yasha uh, is the co-founder, co-director of the Institute for Participatory Design and also the co-creator with Sonia of the field process model, a really amazing approach to generative process. You can hear about in our last chat in episode 10, you can read about by following the links below in the show notes. And he's also more recently the co-founder, co-creator of the Co-Creation Foundation, which you can read all about at cocreation-foundation.org. It's a great chat. Let's get into it. Enjoy, and I will check in with you again at the end. I'll have to do a screenshot or something. It's quite a stunning view I've got of Yasha here. He's, he's sitting outside. It's a beautiful sunny day in the German summer. He's got a beautiful mulberry tree behind you that looks like it's growing out of your head. It's yeah, it's quite quite a pleasure to look at. Yeah, well, I'm very excited to check in again, and I want, I really want to pick your brains and catch up on all the exciting adventures you've been having. Um, you've got this whole new initiative I want to hear about. It'd be lovely just to hear, yeah, what, what's going on for you both in terms of uh, how the ideas are developing, your understandings of, of healthy creative process and generative process, the projects you've been involved in, and, um, and this new initiative that I'll let you, you share. So, I mean, start wherever you want and just yeah, let, let us have it. First of all, Dan, thanks for uh, inviting me again to your podcast. It was a pleasure last time, and I really look forward to it this time. I think it's a year something like that i just had a look it's year, year and four months so coming up to a year and a half okay. yeah okay oh yeah so fighting news on our side here really i'm quite positive about a new endeavor we start which is the co-creation foundation we've been looking forward to to founding this for for a couple of years now because as you know i'm director and founder of the institute for participatory design and that is a private entity it's a private company basically and so we can't apply for any sort of open public money and a lot of our problems of course are in the field of social and ecological engagement and so we were really looking to find a vessel where we can actually apply for these kinds of funds as well. And so the, the idea of starting a foundation was born. And from there on, it was basically a generative process. Over the last years, just things really got into flow and came together and people start joining. And um, we are now at a point where we started our website, even though the foundation hasn't been founded so far we're still looking for the first initial money for the um, what's it called the sort of uh, uh, main capital of, of the foundation but we already have operational uh, funding quite sufficient funding to start a couple of projects and to get the main team running for the next one and a half years and that is really great news for us that's just a basic background. But, but what will this foundation be about? You know, I've been in permaculture for many years. Then we started with the Institute for Participatory Design to start design processes in, in public administration, cities, towns, villages. We also did a few efforts to try to find new ways of governance on a national level. We just uh, published a study on, it's called Republic of Germany 3.0, where we sketch out the third chamber, new institution for participatory design processes on a sort of policy level for national governments. And now the Co-Creation Foundation basically tries to start thinking about how this kind of design-oriented, generatively driven 
forms of, of governance and solution finding work on global level, which is for things like climate change, plastic in the ocean, but also global trade, etc., etc. Yeah. When I got in touch about another episode, you, you sent me the link to the, the new website, um, cocreationfoundation.org. It was just a thrilling experience even to read it, you know. Wow. Just the steps you're taking, like we're, we're going all the way. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm, way yeah. 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 You're not holding back. You're not holding back at all. <laughs> not holding back anymore. No time for that. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. Last, last year came 42. And as you know, I'm a big fan of Douglas Adams. That's the answer to all questions of life in the universe. And I was just thinking like, I can just do so many more projects on a local level. And I really want to see if it works applying all our knowledge, the principles, the kind, kind of design methodology on, on these really big pressing issues we're all facing together. So yeah, all in. This, this is it, or it's nothing at all for me, at least. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting. And we're, we seem to have touched the spot there. So just everyone is responding really well, resonating really strong to it. Uh, we got lots of positive feedback. And uh, yeah, just that we have funding for the first one and a half years for our whole team to do some projects, just, just start the practical aspects of this work is just mind-blowing for us and it is really like we we don't really claim anything at the moment because we if you have read the website what we say is basically we don't know how it how this will work we just have experience on the on local level on level of our projects maybe even some experience on on um, national levels but we have no clue how it how it will work on a global level but looking at processes like for example brexit negotiations or the climate change conferences and the ipcc work and how this all works or the un general assembly meetings if, if you just have a look in how we actually on an international level uh, govern ourselves as a as a global community i think everyone knows that this will not solve, these kind of procedures will not solve the problems we are facing. So all we are trying to do is applying the principles from permaculture, from eco-village design, from just basically design approach, co-creative methodology to global governance and see where that leads us. So, yeah. And the first project I'm really, really happy about because it's a little bit of dream coming true for myself is uh, what we call the Global Resonance Project. And you're familiar with the few process model. So the first phase, if going into any kind of co-creative process for, for us is resonance, building up resonance, getting into resonance with the field. And the field in this case is sort of the, the whole earth, the glo global area of governance and our problems uh, we are facing as, as a world community. So we have now two and a half years where we can only focus on getting into resonance with this field. And I'll do that by traveling, by writing, by blogging, by getting in touch with many other institutions, thinkers, activists who are kind of in this field. So whoever listens to those podcasts and wants to be part of that can just uh, write me a, a message because we are really trying to grow this this network of people who are interested and to think they can already contribute something to this field yeah fantastic yeah i'm, I'm still kind of i don't know if i'd say i'm in shock it's just it is it's so exciting there's part of me that's thinking are you allowed to do this like you know what is it, or is this even possible? In my work, I've gone from smaller projects to larger projects and really and now some, compared to working with one property or something to, to large developments and so on. But just, <laughs> I find it, it's, it's like, I feel, I find it kind of challenging and inspiring what you're doing. You're like, hell with it. Let's just ramp it right up. Like we, let's, let's take this stuff all the way. And, and exactly what you say that, I mean, it's probably worth us, maybe if you're happy to just to briefly 
recap the field process model. Maybe some of your words have changed. I know you did a great job in a previous conversation, so I'd, I'd recommend any listeners who want to get up to speed to go back and listen to episode 10. But part of that was that distinction between procedure and process. And as you're talking about how a lot of these high-level conversations that are affecting decisions at a national and international level are what you call procedures, and they're not going to cut it. The only thing that is going to have any kind of potential to shift things in positive ways is generative process. So it'd be great if you could speak to that a little bit more for us. Yeah, I mean, just take uh, climate change, for example. I think that's a good example because we all know, okay, every so-and-so years, there are these climate conferences where people, organizations, politicians from all over the world meet uh, and talk about climate change and try to negotiate a kind of um, agreement. And there is the IPCC, that's uh, uh, an organization of international scientists who published this report. And that is sort of the foundation of what is talked about at the climate conferences, to make it pretty simple. So talking about procedure of governance, if we think about a global community trying to solve this issue of climate change, our procedure of governing ourselves is this kind of step-by-step -step approach of conferences, reports, agreements, or not agreements, and of course a lot of discussions and articles and probably projects by organizations in between. I don't believe, I don't know yet. We actually, we just gave, we contracted someone for, for doing a study for us to actually analyze this because my impression so far is there is no conscious design of this procedure. So th there is not a sort of a procedural design team who sits down and thinks of how would an optimal procedure for tackling this problem uh, look like on a global level. My impression is they just go along with the formats like the conference they have adjusting us as they go along which you could argue is a kind of generative process but then it's not consciously designed or it's not reflected while you go along this procedure so when i talk about procedure i really mean these step by step by step you have a format a conference a workshop uh, then you have a report like how the process unfolds over time through our consciously chosen interactions. That is a procedure. And the process behind that is everything else which happens in this dynamic of this global field of climate change. And there is a lot more that, that, are, that is migration as well, issues of migration, of poverty, of power of where the money goes of who has which interest in what of huge industry having a lot of transformational work in front of them to meet climate change requirements and so on and so on this is all part for me of the process and so if i want to bring these two together process and the procedure i'll have to start consciously designing how to address all these issues in a global not only dialogue, but in a process of co-creation, which means a sort of design process where we uh, find solutions and start implementing them and cultivating them. And I believe this is not happening or not happening in a way which we already know we could facilitate. I mean, we have a lot of knowledge about facilitating even complex design processes and processes of co-creation, uh, I don't think they are applied already. And so my hope is, let's start doing this, start experimenting with it, start learning, start making mistakes. Of course, we will make mistakes and see where this goes, because I, I believe uh, actually this, it's not, not, not very much we can do worse than, than it's done at the moment. We can only do better. Yeah, as Bill Morrison said, you'd have to be a genius to do any worse than how things are going already. That is, that, that is, uh, gosh, 
That is so exciting. And it, it's, I'm, I'm realizing as you're speaking, it's like, yeah, of course. You know, alongside from all the focus on all the projects you've been part of so far, to me, one of permaculture's potential contributions is to be an incubation space for practicing healthy process, healthy generative process and getting good at it. Until which time the world, and, and, and you obviously have part of what you're feeling is the time is now, is, is ready to receive this stuff. And, and that when people are starting to have the volition, the motivation, the will to try and do their best about some of these, these issues of the scale, that there's folks that can be called in to help support and steward, not to come in as an expert to tell what to do, but to help hold space for a healthy process. Um, exactly. Yeah, which is, which is, yeah, I mean, that's my, my whole thing also is, is just getting better at process, Re- realizing how far as a culture we've gotten off track with our procedures and our mechanism and our fragmentation, et cetera, and, and yeah. steering back to evolution and wholeness. You know, I mean, in a historical sense, um, I, I don't blame anyone for it. Uh, I think we have global institutions which have been mainly built, at least in the West, after the Second World War. And they have been purposely designed for building post-World War II global uh, peace, yeah, to enable peace. But for the problems we are facing now, I think these sort of centralized institutions like the UN, for example, with all the different chapters, they can't facilitate the innovative approach we need right now. So I'm at the moment, I'm thinking a lot about sort of three spheres. One sphere is the sphere of governance, participation, collaboration. So more uh, social politics oriented uh, sphere we have to integrate in in this. Then uh, on the second part, the second sphere would be or sort of the design and co-creation part, like how do we innovate? How can we find emergent solution through generative processes? And the third for me is also, which is quite strongly at the moment, I, I think about it a lot, is the whole sphere of, I would say, collective, let's call it collective psyche or uh, as well trauma, if you look backwards, and how can we actually get into group dynamics and group processes on large scale, like nations, international, globally, as a global community and face these issues. I don't know if you, you have seen that, that I think it was the last climate conference or the one before that one participant from some Pacific Island state started weeping on the stage and no one actually addressed it. It was a moment of, of really deeply felt clarity. I, I felt watching it because it became so, so personal and, and you could empathically really feel into it, but there was no space to hold it or to work with it or to address it. It just was a quick moment and it passed by. And that is a shame because I think um, that is a whole other sphere we'll have to address in these kind of processes as well. Totally, yeah. And when, when those, how do you put it, the cracks appear or, or the feelings come up, the, yeah, the, the, the space being able to realize that's an opening, not just something to sort of, you know, look, yeah. look the other way and wait for it to pass. Exactly. I love how you're, you're talking, what, oh, you, you're sorry, you're going to say something? It's just what a lot of facilitators do. Uh, do that if these moments happen, like uh, in process work, Arnold Mendel or uh, uh, Max Schuppa, for example, they would call it a, a hotspot. And if these things happen, especially in these political settings, they're just moderated away. They're just killed off because they could potentially make it more complicated, get too much emotion in the discussion and so on and so on. But I believe these are the things we have to listen to as well. We'll have to face it. I mean, uh, climate change is not just about uh, CO2 emissions. It is about families and their, their foundations of, of life and home and everything they care for. And they can lose it or, or they can't. It's about power, about money, resources. Yeah. 
we're both uh, we've both been inspired deeply by Christopher Alexander's work. And one of what a quote that I often think of from him is that the intellect is too crude of a net to catch the whole. Without feeling, you can't. And you're you're talking about this process, which I love. Of you don't <laughs> you've got the will, you've got the intention. You don't know how it's going to work, so you you don't know, but you're doing it anyway. And you're going to figure some stuff out along the way. So stepping into the space of that question, which I think that itself is a big part of what needs to happen. Yeah. Saying we don't know, we already do know a lot, I believe. And we don't know if we can apply all our knowledge, like sort of analogous from a local level to a global level. That is the, the thing we have to try out. And of course, we will probably have to add whole new dimensions to our knowledge and methodology. For example, the question of how to synchronize processes on different places over a long time. That is something we have so far no idea from our local projects, how how we can do that. And this is something which will definitely be a big challenge for global processes. But on the other hand, I think a lot of things, many things will be similar if not even the same, like how do you invite people? Who do you invite? How, how do you create space? How are you to, uh, do you prepare the context and the information so that a good design process can start and so on and so on. You were talking earlier about how, which is so exciting to hear that you've got this startup budget and you've got, so you've got the resources to be able to enter the, what you call the resonance phase, which the field process model starts with immersing in the field toward us achieving a state of of resonance and mm-hmm. obviously that is as much about feeling as as anything else yeah yeah and and it is an experiment and i'm actually quite um also quite nervous about it because um i will make my personal and transpersonal process visible mm-hmm. part of this project is that the process of myself during this kind of journey two and a half years journey of resonance will be made visible as well because i feel that is probably part of the cultural technique we all have to get much more into it like understanding how our personal processes are always transpersonal transmitters of what's going on around us so basically every one of us can and should probably and maybe already does it process global issues in a way because we're affected by the global field and what's happening on a global level Mm. as we are affected by our what's happening in our nations in our communities towns villages families and i strongly believe in this kind of mirroring effect that sort of aspects which are strong in me will resonate with aspects of the larger communities i'm in and that I can understand and work on these outer um, um, subjects and themes through working with my inner generative process. So that'll be quite exciting. And I hope <laughs> I'll succeed in, in finding good ways of actually transporting that and uh, letting people uh, participate in this level of process as well. Beautiful, and it's so it's beautiful to hear you acknowledging the the nervousness or the fear as well as the excitement. And I, and I love this, yeah, I love that idea of, in a sense, finding your way to the the greater situation, not just by looking out, but by looking in. That you know, your own internal generative processes can be a portal to that bigger that bigger space. Yeah, I was going to say too. I might well one something that came up for me is that I, I'd say that in some sense, every one of us given that we are a nested hole within all, the, all these nested holes culminating in the, in the global biosphere. One way or another, we're all processing what's going on, largely unconsciously. And, and what you're talking about doing is becoming more aware of that and sharing it. Yeah. For me, it's often, it's, it's the strongest source of getting insights about what to do on the outer level in a generative process. Like when I step into the role of a facilitator, I uh, rely on these hints of what to do next. What is the next step I can facilitate in this generative process? How can I help help to to foster the 
process to impress itself through the people, for example, uh, who have gathered to, to tackle this kind of problem. And yeah, that's something I really want to explore more. I'll just mention in case I forget, but in the last year of been along to some workshops and been learning about this approach called possibility management. A huge part of that is monitoring, in a sense, for your own internal hotspots and using the energy of your feelings and what's going on to be more and more sensitive and present to the feelings of others and what's happening in the space as a facilitator. And just some, some of the caliber of facilitation I've seen has really redefined my sense of what's possible. And it's exactly what you're saying, just being in that much resonance with yourself and hence with others around you, that you can pick up on those clues and those hints and, and just come in with just the right amount of information and energy at the right time. And the, and the whole dynamic can shift in incredible ways that might not have seemed possible at the outset. Yeah. What was that? It's called possibility management. I can send you a few links, but yeah, it, you know, it sounds like there's some strong resonance there. It's something that's, that I'm, I'm learning a great deal from that's been really relevant. And part of it is I'd arrived at the point where if I'm starting a, these days I'm working with clients for, it's probably for five to 10 years, you know, for over some supporting their journey over a stretch. That's, that's what I've landed on. What, what, what works for me seems to work for them and gets the better outcomes. And so in the early engagements, it's important to me that we get real, we get authentic. And often an indicator that we're in the right space is tears or feelings that come up. And previously, mm-hmm. I got to the point where I was, <laughs> when I started, I would have been in that camp of like, oh shit, someone's crying. Uh, look the other way. Hopefully they, you know, uh, can you stop crying, please? We've got to get on with the program. I've got, I got to the point of fantastic, you know, tears, brilliant. We're, you know, we're getting somewhere. Um, but, but with the possibility management, it, it's exciting. And also there's fear there. It's realizing that, you know, depending on what's appropriate in the situation, that when that happens, there's, there's a real, there's opportunities for, um, and particularly when you're working with groups of people that are looking to get better at working together, that when some of that stuff comes out onto the table, you know, yeah. things can shift enormously. And, you know, like in the course of five or 10 minutes, things can happen that you'd never would have achieved with three days of going through the procedures and the logical stuff and why isn't this working and all that. Yeah. It's really exciting. I, hmm. I feel on on many levels and in many sort of different approaches from, from many f- professional fields, these kind of, of insights are, are made or just, yeah, I feel it's like something is growing out of everywhere. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I, did I already told you about this uh, Hansi Freinach book? No. It's a book I'm just reading. Just uh, that's a very interesting approach as well. Okay. I can strongly recommend it. The Listening That's Society. A, Fantastic. That's another uh, sort of scene I just uh, found out about of really brilliant thinkers and writers and um, a good analysis of what's happening at the moment. Coming a little bit from sort of the, the integral background, but uh, bringing it to a whole new level. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it's, it is exciting, isn't it? I'm, I'm almost a bit overwhelmed lately because the more I look, there's more of this amazing work and these communities of brilliant people doing amazing work popping up all over the show. Oh, I'm overwhelmed and so excited. To, sometimes I get to the point where it's like, you know, I, you know, I'll engage as much as I can, but just just to know they're doing that stuff and that, you know, I've got my stuff to do and we can, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's wonderful. Speaking of books, I'm pretty sure I read on the Co-Creation Foundation site mention of you writing a book. Tell us about that. Is that happening? Uh, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> a week ago, I started. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's part of the Global Resonance Project. Right, right. Um, because we were thinking this, this phase of Global Resonance we're going through now um, uh, has to have some kind of output in the end. And we go old school and write a book or I go old school and write a book. So uh, these two years hopefully will sort of accumulate enough patterns for global co-creation. And it will be, of course, I mean, you know, me already that much, it will be a pattern language, of course. So it will be a pattern language of global co-creation. And it will sort of be the harvesting of this global resonance project over the next two and a half years. Fantastic. Ever since I've read that article of yours years ago, I've been itching 
for some um, some more stuff from you. I guess you'll write the book in German, right? But then like, we can get it translated. I started writing in English, which is okay. a challenge for me. But um, I have good translators and good uh, checkers, spell checkers and so on, um, who will do work over my, my text. And we already started with the funding we have now for, for the foundation. Uh, we started uh, translating a few of my German texts as well. So I think in a couple of weeks, months, uh, there'll be a, a longer article on resonance I wrote, a more theoretically based uh, article. I've written a small book on sort of national governance, co-creative national governance. We'll probably translate that in parts or, or as the whole. It's just a small, small booklet, sort of a nutshell, in a nutshell theory. And there's the study I just mentioned earlier, German Federal Republic 3.0, where we did quite a thorough analysis of national participation processes all over the world and applying this idea of forming a third chamber of sort of as a as a set institution in germany that will be translated so there's stuff coming up now in english great to hear yeah well i'm quite sure there'll be a ready audience um over here that is part of why i'm so happy about this uh, uh, foundation because for me it's a chance to uh, find, find time and resource to do all this kind of work and to get out all the the knowledge we've accumulated over the last 14 16 years which isn't accessible at the moment to start really curating it getting it out and additionally uh trying to 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 produce something new yeah it's a real it's a real thing is it i mean it's something i struggle with is that i mean i was going to say when you're doing great work when you believe you're doing great work or i mean in your case I, I think I can say objectively, you are doing great work. But, you know, you've also got to make a damn living, you know, and you know how it goes. So, like, the potential to make amazing stuff, and even like you're saying, even to share the stuff you've already done is is curbed. And this is a, there'll be a lot of listeners out there <laughs> perking up their ears at this point because, you know, so many of us want to get on with stuff that, like, that we're passionate about, that fires us up, that we have gifts to contribute to, and, it, and it's super relevant to the world, and yet we've got to pay the mortgage or the rent and go back to work well, yeah that is uh, one part of this uh one pattern of glo- in this global resonance project as well because i feel uh there is a major just caring for our existence as you just said is diluting so much energy and i'm so i'm really really happy because as he said for the last 16 years i've done project of the project of the project and I very rarely f- found the time to write the experiences down, to really put the methods down in a way that others could, could use them and so on and so on. And so, yeah, this, this foundation and the funding we got for the foundation is, is a huge opportunity to get all of this out. Yeah, well, I'll definitely be reading that pattern in your, in your pattern language for global creation quite closely. <laughs> yes. there's a few possibilities on my radar and I'm, I'm just and part of it is just asking the question and going and looking for it right too it is there you know there are opportunities out there that don't seem likely yeah, yeah. and um, as i said um i'm i'm not quite sure yet if this is will be a work just of my own or um, at the moment my ideas is uh, inviting authors as well to just add patterns but as i said we're just at the beginning. I mean, officially, this project starts at 1st of August, so it doesn't even have started yet. Yeah, great. I can always hold off releasing this till August if needs be. <laughs> Please bring it out. Maybe it attracts some, some support, and at the moment, every support mm. is uh, very welcome. For sure, yeah, I, I, I hope so. And I certainly have my support, and I'll do what I can to, to let people know about it. Hey, I, want, I wanted to ask you, uh, some, someone else, I don't know if I've mentioned them to you in the past i've been learning from a bunch of folk that they're working from a particular take on on a regenerative paradigm and what they call living systems thinking there's a woman called carol sanford who i interviewed recently she's quite a phenomenal being highly disruptive working with large companies and and writing books and um she's she's a great yeah i'm sure there'd be some real resonance and connection there and there's a group called regenesis group that's based in the states but they're traveling 
a lot and working at, I, th- I think they've done stuff at the UN level, applying their approach. Um, Bill Reed and Joel Glansberg are the ones I've connected with recently. It'd be good to connect them with you. But that's a lead-in, as, as well as mentioning them to you. They talk a lot about moving from problems to potential, you know, because you, you talked earlier about this problem of climate change and mm-hmm. solving it. But I'm sure you've got some thoughts and things to say about this this paradigm shift. Because in permaculture, that's often the case. Okay. Some, I mean, sometimes, as you know, design itself is defined as problem solving. So step one, identify the problem. Like, you know, and, and where, of course, the, the implicit message is that there is that a successful design outcome is the problems solved, which means the whole thing is focused on making something go away <laughs> as opposed to creating something new. But yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I couldn't agree more. Uh, the problem is the solution, right? Yeah, it's often, for me, it's often more a, a problem of language. So it really, everyone understands if you say, look, there's a problem with, we think we've found a way to develop good solutions. But of course, it's not the solution I'm interested in. It's the emergent result of a process I'm interested in. And to get an emergent result, it makes totally sense not only to focus on problems, but on the contrary, to focus from the beginning on, on what is the potential? Like, what is already here? Where are the hints who could lead us to a good new emergent uh, result, which is relevant, which is sustainable, which is in line with the larger context? Uh, you mentioned a lot of things already, so maybe... I'll write a list. Do you, do you have a kind of... Uh, a notes section under your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll list all those. These folks I've just mentioned, and talking to Carol Sanford in particular, she has these. I think there's seven principles of regeneration. But you start with a whole. Identify, you know, what what you're working with, and then, and then the idea is every hole has a uniqueness, uh, which she calls the essence. And so get a feel for the essence, and from essence, from the uniqueness of this thing, you can tap into its potential, and you can develop its potential in conjunction with seeing it as a nested hole within nested holes. She has a concept too of, she calls it nodal intervention, which is kind of the acupuncture point idea. And I've been finding that really useful because there's been a few moments along my journey where, you know, just a little bit of energy applied in the right time in the right place, it shifted, you know, the system just sent the system into a a phase change that was totally disproportionate to the amount of energy that went in, which of course is at the core of what I think Mollison was on about with, with permaculture. But I'm, I'm enjoying having clear language and, and now being able to actually scan the horizon, you know, and to look for those nodal intervention points. And obviously that's the same. You're, you're, that's what you're doing with your project. That sounds exciting. Mm. The only question I would probably have is uh, talking about essence mm-hmm. uh, is if there is an essence and we just have to, to raise the potential of it, where, where is the possibility for change or transformation? Like, can you change essence or is it just finding the essence and sort of supporting the development of this, this essence? That's a question I always have if people start talking about essence and getting sort of down to the essence, but that would be interested too. It's yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I could, I, I could take a guess, although you, well, anyone who ever takes a guess at anything Carol Sanford would say is <laughs> going to be wrong, but... Um, and she'll point that out to them in short order. I, I know that the idea came from the, I think he's Russian-Armenian, but this powerful being, spiritual teacher, whatever he was, whatever the heck he was. Some, pe- some people call him the rascal saint, Gurdjieff. And he had the distinction between personality and essence, where essence is something that either you're born with or you have it pretty early on. And it's yours. It's what makes you you. And then personality is all the stuff that gets imposed on you from the culture. I think in, then, in that narrative, essence is a, I don't think it's a fixed thing, but it is, it's not something that you can, it is what it is. It can maybe grow and, de- and develop, but, mm-hmm. but yeah. So maybe the essence can change. It's an interesting question. It'd be good to reflect on more. The idea is certainly that through essence, you can identify the potential of the system to evolve where what that healthy evolution is always about the system expressing its essence. Yeah. As a system, often it's a changing entity. I wonder what the essence is. I mean, I'm just, maybe this is leading us far, but uh, we had a similar discussion when uh, Max Schopach from the Deep Democracy Institute was with us in Germany and uh, we talked about the essence of place. 
and th there was a similar notion that place has this this kind of essence and it always expresses itself in the field and it will always express itself and you can either sort of um, get the potential out of it or or you don't you you stop the potential from from unfolding itself and of course the question is what is with a place like uh, my partner Sonia Hurst just said there was a place with like a fuel station like what kind of essence is that supposed to have we can raise uh, or is is there another essence behind the fuel station which just can't unfold because the fuel station is on this place and yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I'll, I'll, I'll follow up on that. I know because Carol actually talks about the essence of things. I'm pretty sure about the essence of things like um, petroleum and 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 yeah. So, yeah. so that that is a really interesting discussion because um, I fear that uh, too much talk about essence can lead to um, getting this notion that there's sort of only this one ideal state we have to reach. And we either do it right or wrong. And I feel much more comfort comfortable with the idea there is a sort of potential for different scenarios inherent in every system or field. And through a generative process, we can sort of not only discover and recover in, in essence, but also co-create something new, something emergent through, yes. through a transformation. Yeah, you know, right, right on. Yeah, my my sense is that the two ideas or themes are, are complementary, but I'll look forward to yeah, following sure up on are. that. I think that will be interesting. I mean, that's just yeah. the first sort of a reaction to. Yeah, I mean, like it, the way I'm bringing this into my work is, I mean, one thing is people can get a bit, you know, I can say essence, you know, in essence, give it a, as if it's like some kind of, just saying the word is going to somehow magically <laughs> change things. But I, I like it just as a reminder of right now, this, whatever the landscape, whatever I'm dealing with this person, myself, it has a uniqueness, you know, has some sort of unique character. And that helps me with that distinction between generating, unfolding, as opposed to imposing from outside. How do we pull the next steps, the development of this thing out of out of what's going on inside the situation rather than outside, which obviously is core to the field process model. All right, well, let's pick up on this. Yeah, exciting to find out about how, how they use this word and uh, what it means to transformation. Um, hey, I wanted to check in. I know after our last chat, I, I attended some sort of conference call when you were starting a project in inner city Berlin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just our, it was the very beginning. Our, it was a gnarly, complex project. What what happened there? What's you know, what? Tell well, us. It's running for a year. It's running well. Mm -hmm. For different reason, can't unfold its full potential. I feel because of. I mean, you know, we're on the same page talking about patterns, generative process, co-creative governance, and so on and so on. And the 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 project in Berlin is is one of the most exciting exciting projects we've ever made. It's just huge from the the sort of outset like there are 38 um, um, administration based projects uh, of city development in the center of berlin in the very center of berlin all being accompanied by participatory design processes with citizens and uh, people from institutions uh, of of the city society and we have this. Uh, we have a, a space which is something like a co-working for city development, which is a really nice place where people can go and work on their own actor-based uh, projects as well. So it is. It is very exciting at the moment. I'm a bit sort of dampening down my own expectations because I feel we have sort of reached the sort of maximum level of what at the moment in this time with this government with this administration is possible to achieve so and that is not sort of talking about the essence that's not the full hundred percent but it's 75 80 percent which is great and and it's going really well mm -hmm. um, so we have established a lot more of this governance of these ideas of co-creative governance than 
than I've done in every other project. Probably we have reached sort of a level where we should now just focus on um, on the projects them, themselves. Just in case listeners, uh, there wasn't enough hints there to pick it up. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're, you're, you were called in to help hold space for a process involving a whole, whole lot of really complicated, large mix of stakeholders for the, looking at the redevelopment of a, of a historical inner center of Berlin. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Wonderful. Oh, great to have an update on that. Hey, something just cropped up for me. It's sort of a pretty detailed technical question, but I'd love to hear your your insight from your experience. Um, so on the one hand, like for example, I'm, I'm engaging with the Steiner school my kids go to at the moment, and we're looking at a, been introducing, I call, I call my take on this living design process, different leg on the same dog. What would it mean to, to have, have a generative process that starts break some, breaking out of some of these ruts schools fall into, like um, the, the grounds are just a hodgepodge of elements that different parents or champions got excited about and then they left and they got neglected so the whole thing is a bit scattershot yeah to move towards developing the place as an, as an organic whole and we're also potentially looking at some aspects of how this process might inform the the school strategic kind of level but we're starting on the grounds and, and the edible gardens but anyway on the one hand christopher alexander i remember um, in the nature of order he emphasizes it's for him he, he found it was a better idea when there's a lot of stakeholders to get them I think he said even individually, or at the very least in very small groups. I, th- I think he, he was saying that what can happen when you get, because for example, I'm thinking of getting most of the staff together, inviting as many parents that are interested to a barbecue and engaging them to draw out their intention for the project. And I'm conscious that there's efficiencies there and it can feel more inclusive, but yeah. What, do, have, you, have you found that one or the other, or do you do you know, small, larger groups or, or individuals, or do you mix it up? We mix it. It's, yep. it's, it's both. And for me, it's a question of uh, really collective intelligence. And I feel, I always try to make this point that collective intelligence of obviously doesn't ha- happen if everyone works on its own. And it doesn't happen if you sort of stream a group to do the same. Because then you just get a sort of dumb collective. Yeah, but uh, so... What we try to experiment a lot and which works best for us and our processes is, of course, getting everyone involved on a sort of larger scale, but then letting a lot of freedom and individual expression in the methodology and the steps they take to adjust to to, to the task at hand. So, for example, if you get into a resonance phase, uh, some might... Uh, want to do interviews some might want to get out and take a stroll uh, through the uh, schoolyard and, and make observations others might just want to dream or meditate the next one so that everyone can do what he or she really feels is appropriate to get into resonance and then you always have to the task to synchronize that with each other so leave a lot of freedom, leave everyone to decide which is best for them in, the, in their own generative process to do next, but also um, create a lot of space for people to meet and share and synchronize their experiences. And then you'll suddenly find out that even though one person has meditated, the other has been done an analysis of the garden, and the third one has, has done a, a, a research in the internet, they might have stumbled upon the same patterns. And those are the patterns you then work, work upon in the next steps. It's a sort of both end. I love that. that I'll, I'll probably take that off on board because in, in the next few weeks, we've got these sessions with these large groups and I had probably anticipated that I would kind of, you know, say, let's stay together and let's have this process together. But yeah, look, here's, here's what we want to achieve today. If you want to stay here, let's do something. If you want to go for a walk. Yeah, that's, that's great. A very, yeah, very simple methodology. Yeah, we, so we, simple. We do a lot is sort of, you just let them, you just say what for the next step, that's the facilitated part. You say we have a next step, and that is getting in, in, in touch with the task at hand, getting into resonance, whatever you want to call it. Then you can, for example, ask 
what do you think would be best to do so that you feel connected to our task? And then you just let, you have a flip chart, you write down every proposal which comes. Like I could do this, I could do that, I could, I'm interested in doing this. And you just write that down until you have a whole flip chart of possibilities, what people can do next to get into resonance, to get sort of an idea of, of the task at hand. And then you let them do it self-organized and they can do it on their own. They can do it in groups. They don't have to do the thing they have proposed. They can choose from everything on the flip chart, just uh, following their own intu intuition, um, getting into their own flow. And then you have, you have to give them a lot of time afterwards to, to share their experience, to analyze the patterns of these different experiences so that they get back on the same page and get a feeling for the experience of the collective of the group. I can see how if those two aren't honored, you, know, you send people out in different directions and if they're coming back together as an honored and the sharing and, and really honoring the time that the person each person needs to feel like they've been heard trouble oh, yeah, and they get into their own rhythm yeah and then yep. their own they are valued and appreciated for their own being and approach towards how to deal with the earth and their surroundings mm -hmm. and that is completely important if, if you just let 100 people do the same thing for an hour you lose 60 to 70 percent because it's not their mode of being, their mode of understanding, their mode of interacting. Yeah, right on, right on. Hey, you saying being, I, I can't help, but I've just been tuning into this lately through Carol Sanford and those, those folk. They have, in some ways, it reminds me of you, your distinction between procedure and process, but they distinguish between what they call models and frameworks, where models are more, you know, it's like you, you, we've got to build a building, we got to we'll build a model which kind of locks things down and specifies what's going to happen as, as opposed to a framework which just, is just a different way of looking at the situation and, and to bring clarity. And one of the frameworks I've been playing around with, they call it will, being and function. So that every hole you're working with has will, which is around intention. And then there's the being and, and um, you know, how are we going to be or how am I going to be and what kind of being am I creating around me? And then the function, which is the operations, the to-do list. And I got into a point in my work where I do a lot of work around intention. So the will was there. Let's go deep and let's, you know, what's, what's our shared motivation intention here? What's, what's our will? Let's build will. And then at some point you need function or nothing, nothing happens, but consciously saying at the same time, you know, okay, this is where we're heading. How, how do we want to be? How do you want to be? And that's part of what you're saying is honoring different, different modes of being. I'm really enjoying giving it its, its place. I think that's the only way to really be inclusive. And this is a way where you can easily, some, uh, uh, for example, match a group of high professional uh, experts on the one hand side and people with dyslexia or disabilities or very young people on the other hand side because they can just be and do the way they do and contribute in this way. And that is a, such a relief for everyone, often, to be allowed to be what they are, to be acknowledged for, for what they can uh, contribute. That's, that's great. Right. This came at Not a good time. Too academic or too practical. Well, if you have academics and more practical-oriented people, let the practical people do practical stuff and the academic uh, people academic stuff. It's only important that they, at one point, again and again, get together and share. Great. Well, geez, I've, I've gotten my money's worth. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> wow. Gosh. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to let you go soon, but I did, that does raise another question, which was, who are these people you've, you're partnering with? Are they old friends? And so, so there's yourself, who's obviously... Yeah, I don't know if it's so centered. You're in the co-creation of the three, the three kind of... Well, at the gonna... moment, exactly, we're just a team of old colleagues and friends okay. who, who developed these kind of ideas over years. Um, we are well, well aware that we are sort of three white males from Germany at the moment. <laughs> and, and this is not sort of the best uh, team for a global co-creation foundation, um, but we see it as a generative process as well. So we 
we definitely will diversify over time and invite more and more uh, people from all kind of backgrounds into into this uh, organizational body as well. But you know, you know how it is. If you start sort of an organization like that, it starts from an idea. Uh, you go with the first people who come along and who seem uh, uh, engaged and who have the knowledge and experience. And we three uh, form a great team. We're very different in what we do and how we do it, but we're still sort of driven by the same ideas and visions of, of our future. And um, yeah, and maybe another word to Berlin. We will, uh, the foundation will be located in Berlin. We thought a lot about where to locate it. We were thinking also about London or Barcelona or New York, but actually Berlin is quite an interesting uh, place at the moment. Um, I would say it's the only um, capital where the strongest force is civil society and not big capital or politics. And of course, through World War II and uh, the Shoah, um, we just have a, a culture of remembering and of uh, reconciliation in Germany and especially in, in Berlin, where this is very present still today. And we feel that this is a good place from where to address this kind of work. Wonderful. Well, I'm yeah, excited to, to follow and see how it all unfolds. And also to talk more to you about getting you over um, into this part of the world for a, for a visit or a teaching mm, yeah. tour or, or whatever it is. So We should start organizing it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Again, it's possible now, and um, I would love to be there. I only was once for two months in Australia. That mm. was my trip to that region of the world and um, would be great to come back mm -hmm. beautiful all right well yeah, let's keep that that ball rolling and th um thanks for this has exceeded my desires and expectations this, i mean the mulberry tree in the background is just the icing on the cake but it's been magnificent to catch up with you and just to you know to, yeah I planted it when i moved here actually oh great so what was that um 12 14 years yeah yeah oh there you go yeah and it's been it's been beautiful to get back in in residence with you and uh yeah, yeah. great talking to you again yep. it's really exciting and i rarely have uh, a sort of a partner conversational partner who's so much into the same stuff i am <laughs> and uses the same language um that that's really great for me enjoy yeah. it i learn a lot from it yeah oh, likewise yeah and yeah and, and I'm, I'm excited to be I, there's a really lovely feeling with this pro making permaculture stronger and just yeah the, the, it, it feels like it's an enlarging conversation which i'm, which yeah. I'm really pumped yeah. about yeah to create a place for people that want to have these conversations to come and have them all righty thank you so much thanks for your time well i'm sure you agree that was another great conversation i find yasha very inspiring and uh, not only have I benefited from his theoretical work, the, the, his, his integration of ideas from permaculture and from Christopher Alexander that have given me a lot of guidance in my own experiments and adventures in that overlap. But now with the Co-Creation Foundation, uh, yeah, really, as that sinks in, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to participate, to support what he's doing, and also to think about taking that kind of big thinking to things I'm up to, including making permaculture stronger. Who knows, folks? You may be listening to the inception of the idea of the Making Permaculture Stronger Foundation. Who knows? Who knows? And on that note, if you do know any philanthropically-minded billionaires or millionaires who um, you think might be interested in supporting permaculture's evolution, then, well, you know, connect us. Let's talk. On other fronts, I, I will link to Yasha's stuff, um, the cocreation-foundation.org is the place to head to learn about this latest initiative. I'll make sure I've got links in the show notes to Carol Sanford's work. I mean, it's, I think it's carolsanford.com as well as regenesisgroup.com and possibility management. I think it's possibilitymanagement.org or there's 
possibility management sites for Australia and New Zealand and other spots around the world. If you would like to potentially be part of organising or hosting or participating in Yash's visit to Australia, which I think is going to happen and quite possibly will happen in April 2020, get in touch. If you want to check out the other conversations, uh, the written blog posts, there was an interesting guest blog post by Carol Sanford recently, which stirred up some interesting um, comment and dialogue. Head over to makingpermaculturestronger.net. You can now support the project. There's a Patreon page. You can become a patron and throw a little bit of a drip feed of cash at the project. I'm One way or another, I might have to evolve the whole format and, and change where it's heading. I'm interested in finding ways to, to make this thing more and more viable and to generate the resources to, to really up this conversation. And I really, as well as cash, I also invite ideas, collaborations, ideas for guest posts, people you'd like to if you'd like to talk to me in a, on an episode or you'd, you've got an idea of someone you think talking to would, would, would benefit making permaculture stronger's reason for existing, which is self-explanatory, then please do get in touch. I welcome all of that stuff. Things are feeling very fluid right now. I really feel like I'm surveying or scanning for potential and getting into resonance with what's going on in permaculture um, internally and also in terms of permaculture's interface with complementary f- approaches in the, in the larger world uh, in general. Anyway, I'll stop going on about that stuff. Thanks for listening. I look forward to catching up with you in episode 23, which will be a follow-up conversation with Bill Reed, And we'll just have to see what happens after that, won't we? All right, ciao. You take care. I'll catch you later.